As you are now no doubt aware, the agendas and talking points of the World Economic Forum are effectively the driving force behind current mainstream news media narratives and the direction of where our world is going politically. Back in January of 2021, they published the following article on their website. How digital identity can improve lives in a post-COVID-19 world. Human-centric digital identity lets people know who they are dealing with without revealing more than the strictly necessary information. Digital identities give the user control of their data. They provide clear audit trails and streamline how businesses and governments allow people to register and access their services and trade. Let's read that part again. How businesses and governments allow people to register and access their services and trade. Now, unless I'm way off base here, the use of the word allow concerns me. Now, of course, businesses can determine who they wish to do business with. I understand that. However, we pay our taxes to the state. The government is supposed to serve the interests of the people. So, since when do our governments have so much control over our lives that they are the ones with the power to allow us to access services? If they have the power to allow us, then they obviously have the power to refuse to allow us. As we've seen from lockdowns and COVID regulations, the populations of Western nations have slowly been conditioned to accept government overreach into their lives. Mask wearing, social distancing, business closures, restrictions on travel, regulations on the number of people permitted in one's home, etc. They have allowed the government to effectively hold their inalienable rights and freedoms hostage and, of course, destroy the economy. Despite the fact that our rights and freedoms don't come from the government in the first place. That's why they're inalienable. In my opinion, the digital ID system is a means of control. It gives global stakeholders and governments the means of controlling our access to things we need. Our bank accounts, for example. Our ability to purchase certain goods and services. The article continues. It has great potential for online education, issuing employment credentials, fighting fraud, or proving one's health status. And that's where I'm sure things like vaccine passports, and the new biosecurity controlled economy will come into play. Those who refuse to comply with the vaccine schedules could be frozen out of society, a two-tier society, if you will. Also, I can see all of these contrived cyber attacks as another Hegelian dialectic, which I have mentioned before. They could be used as another false flag operation so as to encourage the adoption of the digital IDs in the interests of keeping people's data safe and ensuring that a person is who they claim to be. Ending anonymity online also. The article goes on. Digital identity was often confined to the technology community or banking's know-your-customer checks and to combat money laundering. With our digital footprint extending to all walks of life, which I don't think is a good thing at all, digital identification is becoming a global topic. A healthy digital identity network widens civic participation and supports societal advancement Okay, a case in point would be the Estonian digital identity approach, which allows the nation's public and private sector e-service information systems to link up and function in harmony. 
all nice utopian-sounding jargon and rhetoric for what is effectively the construction of a global digital population control system. All walks of life, meaning everything you do, everywhere you go, all being recorded and tied back to this digital ID, the perfect means of implementing a China-style social credit system where dissent can be punished by shutting a person out of the digital control grid. While government's role is key, regulators have understood that they don't hold all the cards and that solutions are needed across the public and private sectors. Digital identity trust frameworks led by governments working with the private sector are emerging, defining claims for people and organizations that should be broadly recognized. So once again, it's all about governments being given more control, more collaboration between the public and private sector. There's no talk of the wishes of the public or individual liberties and human rights. It's about bypassing that. This is about bypassing the democratic will of the people and giving absolute power to governments and corporations, that stakeholder capitalism thing that Klaus Schwab spoke about, which is effectively a form of corporate fascism. So later in the article they show this image of all the areas in which the digital ID would be used and integrated into our lives and the world around us. The first one is healthcare, for users to access insurance, treatment, to monitor health devices, wearables, for care providers to demonstrate their qualifications. So if you're not in the system, you don't get to access healthcare. Basically, the digital ID is the new barrier for entry for almost everything. Everything you previously could buy, use, access, it's all placed behind the digital ID paywall, so to speak, and your privacy and freedom is the price you pay to enter it. And you can be sure they will use terms to describe this digital ID like robust, secure, sustainable, integrated, convenient, transparent, etc. Sounds nice, but it really isn't. Financial services, this is the biggest one. To open bank accounts, to carry out online financial transactions. In other words, no digital ID, no access to your money. Food and sustainability, there's that word again, sustainability. For farmers and consumers to verify provenance of produce to enhance value and traceability in supply chains. Travel and mobility, to book trips, to go through border control between countries or regions. In other words, it's a replacement for your passport for international travel. Humanitarian response, to access services to demonstrate qualifications to work in a foreign country. E-commerce, to shop, to conduct business transactions and secure payments. It sounds to me like the mark of the beast. If you're not in this system, you're basically unable to buy and sell. Social platforms. For social interactions to access third-party services that rely on social media logins. This can be a means of denying political dissidents access to the online public square. If you've violated the community guidelines terms of service too many times and you're guilty of wrong think, you could be prevented from logging into social media. E-government. For citizens to access and use services, file taxes, vote, collect benefits. And I can personally see how this could make it difficult for private property ownership. I mean, how do you pay your property tax if you don't first have the digital identity in order to log on to the e-government services facility? Just something off the top of the head. Telecommunications. For users to own and use devices. For service providers to monitor devices and data on the network. So that's a huge one. In other words, you will need the digital ID system in order to be able to use your device and access the internet itself. So that means there's the potential for denying people access to the internet. 
The digital ID is the gateway you have to use in order to do pretty much anything in our increasingly digital world. So in order to use an internet connected device, a smartphone, tablet, laptop, desktop computer, you must first make use of the digital identity. If you're a person deemed to be too problematic for the oligarchs, you can be denied access to the internet at the level of the ISP. The last one is smart cities. To monitor devices and sensors transmitting data such as energy usage, air quality, traffic congestion. So to me this looks like the mass surveillance state of the future with what looks like a combination of the climate change bollocks. Everything you do is tracked, monitored and recorded. When they talk about energy usage they mean the rationing of people's energy supply and determining how much a person or household is using. Your social credit score could include a record of your own personal carbon emissions in order to determine how much of a burden you are on the environment. Therefore, your energy and water usage can be throttled accordingly. And of course, as I've said before, I think we're going to see the justification long term for the evolution of climate lockdowns down the road. They're already telling us that the next major crisis is going to be the climate crisis. If some government-backed talking head experts determine that our CO2 is too high, then climate lockdowns and restrictions on things like car usage can be introduced. Ultimately, this digital identity is everything the globalists have ever wanted and the final Hegelian power grab. The entire concept of the new normal has been built upon the idea that because of the COVID crisis, we cannot go back to the way things were and that the crisis itself has proven that we are unprepared for new and emerging dangers and catastrophes in the world, be they future pandemics, climate change, economic and social problems, cyber attacks, you name it. After they manufacture these problems, the globalists offer solutions that always increase their own power and wealth. The solutions always benefit them never us. So they become richer and more powerful while reducing the wealth and freedoms of the general population. It goes without saying that this digital identity system must be resisted with everything we have.